Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone. Howard David here with Howard David Live. We welcome in Steve Ashburner of NBA.com. I don't know if I've seen a more active trading deadline or less make your own conclusions, but when you have a big star like Kevin Durant on his way out of town in Brooklyn to Phoenix, that's a big deal. Russell Westbrook leaves the Lakers on his way uh, to Utah. I don't know what you felt was going to happen. And we still have, what, three hours to go before the trade right. lines up. Do you expect that? Do you, think, do you expect anything more, uh, anything bigger than what we've seen so far? Well, it'd be tough to be bigger than Kevin Durant. I mean, there I saw speculation online today um, trying to recall the last big name comparable to him who was traded during a season. I mean, you know, the, the, to me, the Pau Gasol trade, um, you know, back in, uh, what is that, about 15 years ago almost, when right. um, the Lakers got him from Memphis, that, that shifted the landscape in the West, and it obviously had installed the Lakers as favorites, and they went on to win a couple of championships with Kobe and Pau Gasol and uh, the rest of them with Phil Jackson. Um, but, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to top – Kevin Durant, I, you know, you'd have to see Giannis or LeBron James, uh, you know, or Joel Embiid traded to, right. uh, to be in that ballpark. So no, I, there might be more other deals. In fact, there might be deals of teams now in the West scrambling to try to, um, you know, deal with this, uh, this renewed Phoenix uh, contender um, as a result of this trade. But I um, mean, that was a, you know, I didn't know about it when I when my head hit the pillow last night, but um, when it did, um, you know, when I woke up this morning, you know, it was like boing, you know, hit over the head with a uh, with a gallon of caffeine. Hey, Steve, I got to tell you, uh, three o'clock this morning, I wake up to make the arbitrary trip to the men's room, as you know, and I took my phone with me just in case there was anything that was important, and bang, yeah. it hits me, and I went, oh my god. Yeah. My yeah. wife says to me, what's the matter? And I say, Kevin Durant was traded. She goes, oh, great. I'm going back to sleep. Yeah, at least it wasn't a kidney stone or something. Yeah. Has this trade reshaped the West? Because I, I read today that Phoenix has gone from 15 to 1 to get to the finals to 5 to 1. Right. Uh, are they the team to beat in the West? Well, it was fairly um, wide open. I mean, I still think that, that Denver, um, by, you know, establishing themselves over the course of a, of a long season, uh, would be better prepared, you know, for the rigors of, of the postseason. They, they will have, um, you know, they've learned a lot about each other. They know how to play together. You know, Phoenix is going to have to adjust. They're going to have to adjust to Durant being there. They're going to have to adjust to... You know, guys like uh, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, 
not being there. And so can they ramp that up um, quickly enough? Eh, probably. I mean, it's 30 games or so, right? I mean, 25, 30 games to go. And then even early rounds, um, you know, uh, you might not need to be at your absolute best, depending on what playoff seed you secure. And, of course, while the play-in tournament is um, is taking place, you know, that, that gives an opportunity for, for uh, the better teams to – almost have little mini uh, training camps. So any any wrinkles they could iron out then. And this is Kevin Durant. I mean, he, you know what he is. You know how he plays. Um, he doesn't ruffle other guys' games particularly. I mean, I think it's a bigger adjustment, for instance, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic learning to play together mm. than it is for Kevin Durant slipping into uh, the Phoenix Suns lineup with Chris Paul as the guy with the uh, – as a trigger man with the ball in his hands. Steve Ashburner from uh, NBA.com. I- uh, I'm going to be candid with you. Uh, I'm not in favor of the way Kyrie Irving has uh, portrayed uh, himself and, and the things that he has said. Last night, he says he wishes Kevin Durant well. Uh, we always wish for each other. Well, you wanted out and you left Durant in Brooklyn. I mean, I, I, am, I, am I looking at a phony or am I overreacting here? No, I think I think the former is uh, is more likely the case. I think that that Kyrie, a tremendous basketball player, great skills. Um, you know, he's he's got some obvious flaws that he puts out there for the world to see when it comes to a character, when it comes to an obvious uh, absence of leadership, um, and you know, sometimes a, accountability. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's um, I've had I've had writers who covered him from the day he walked into the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers tell me they thought he was a phony um, and never felt any sincerity. In fact, not only did they never feel they were getting any sincerity from him, they, they could actually feel a palpable insincerity in the way he dealt with them. It was it was not obsequious, but it was um, certainly. Um, connecting dots and 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 not really uh letting anybody in or or you know uh telling his true feelings and that was at the very beginning and you know we've seen him thrust himself into the uh, spotlight and the center of controversy you know repeatedly from the time he uh, got to the nba so yeah i don't know i don't know if if i ran a team i would not want kyrie irving on it based on his track record what he did in leaving LeBron James and a viable contender, going to Boston, actually disrupting things in Boston to the point that they were glad when he left soon thereafter, and then and failing to uh, you know to pay off on the uh, the implicit promises at least to Nets fans and and to uh, uh, Nets teammates, including Durant in Brooklyn. So no, uh, it's a um, uh, you know, I, I hope he doesn't mess up Luka Doncic and his relationship with the Mavericks. Um, you know, that seems to be a, a happy story by and large. And if somehow uh, Kyrie were to inject some turmoil into into that, you know, shame on him. But the, the ones that would really mess with would be Doncic, the Mavericks and Dallas fans. Uh, back in the early 2000s, during the ill-fated Rick Pitino era in Boston, I was broadcasting the games 
on radio with Cedric Maxwell, and I talk to Max all the time, even now. Uh, he said when Kyrie Irving left Boston, the players thought about throwing a party. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, the fact that even when he was hurt, he would not he would not sit in, in, in street clothes on the bench. I mean, it was a game seven. He wasn't in the building in the, in the playoffs that they lost. And so, you know, this idea that um, that can't be good for a team, uh, you know, that that's just not what you expect from, you know, one of your top players, one of your highest paid employees. Let me ask you this, Steve. Let's look at the Nets. I mean, here's a Nets team that just a short time ago, it was Durant, it was Irving, it was uh, uh, James Harden, and they were going to win championships, a couple of championships in a row. It didn't happen. So now you look at the Nets and what they've acquired in the Kevin Durant deal and Kyrie Irving leaving. I, this may sound ridiculous, but looking at the players they got um, and the draft choices, I'm not sure they're not better off where they are now. Hmm. Well, it, you know, it remains to be seen. Um, it certainly uh, clears the air. And the, the problem when you get so many draft picks, not that it's a problem um, per se, but it does mess with your timeline because you start looking at, okay, one of those later picks going to pay off. Um, you know, so you've got you've to sort of keep a core or a, even a supporting cast that's waiting for a, um, you know, a franchise type guy to be dropped in the middle of that. I look at the Orlando Magic and last year, they were they were a, a strong group without a center and i don't mean that by position i mean that as a hub as a key you know tentpole kind of guy and then this year they add paulo banquero and all of a sudden now they've got pieces across that lineup and so you know i think the nets that'll be the challenge for them is to sync up the timelines for the guys they have on hand and presumably the the young talent that's going to come in via these draft picks unless unless they're going to market the draft picks and um bring in more established players that can that can speed things up let's talk about the uh, trade that sent russell westbrook to utah uh lakers uh, reacquired d'angelo russell from the t-wolves they also get malik beasley and jared vanderbilt uh you look at and what they've done basically is added shooters uh, perimeter play, which they didn't have before. Right. Uh, so now they, they add to that. And obviously LeBron, I mean, it, what, I thought it was humorous the other night. And I'm look, I'll be honest with you. I'm a LeBron fan. I think the guy adds a lot to the game. He's a spectacular player. And I refuse to get into the GOAT argument about him and Michael Jordan because Michael was the greatest of his time. LeBron's the greatest of his time. I don't think there's a debate. It shouldn't be anyway. No, that, that whole thing really is, just comes down to opinions. It comes down to um, personal biases. Um, you know, some old folks like me might focus on the guys who came before and who get short shrift when a lot of these discussions are held, you know, in 2023. Guys like Chamberlain, um, Bill Russell, uh, Elgin Baylor, uh, Oscar Robertson, you know, all of whom are top 10 players, in my opinion, mm -hmm. and probably higher. Even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, LeBron sort of brought him out of the woodwork by passing his all-time points total. But a lot of current NBA fans, they never saw Kareem play, and they may not have a grasp of how great he was. And 
heck, there are NBA fans now, many of them that never really saw Michael Jordan play. I mean, certainly have no memory of it. You'd have to be born no later than uh, mid-90s to be able to have even a, a memory of his Washington days. So now you can go back and you can do your research. I think everybody, it behooves them to do that and learn. Um, but I get it. I get it while people are 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 focused on you know what's put right in front of them i don't i don't accept uh those who they have some compulsion to feel like everything that that that's the best happened while they were there to witness it mm -hmm. i mean that's very short-sighted in my opinion you know i know certain things were great before i was born or before you know espn came into creation things like that. So, you know, if you're going to play that game, then I'm not going to have too much respect for it. But, um, you know, LeBron has been tremendous. Um, I don't have him as my goat. Um, I have him third or fourth on my list. Um, I give bonus points for originality. And I think that <laughs> Michael Jordan was an original on and off the court. I think that Wilt was an original on and off the court. I think a lot of people have followed in their footsteps in one way or another. And so eh, they don't get those bonus points, but tremendous players all. And yeah. so, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, this is not, this is not going the way LeBron would have intended. I'm sure. I mean, he didn't think he'd be limited to one bubble championship and in, in his return to, or it is uh, signing with the Lakers. And um, I'm sure he didn't think that the night that he uh, passed Kareem for the all time points record, he would then score just two points in the fourth quarter in a defeat to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, you know, you you can't script all this stuff, and that's fine. Now with these moves, they have addressed a weakness. They've got better outside shooters. They've got a deeper bench. Um, they've got players who are, you know, really helpful role players. I mean, Beasley and, and uh, uh, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt are, are yeah. solid. And, um, you know, we'll see. D'Angelo Russell... Maybe with this crew, um, you know, he can max out his his abilities. I thought that that he was, I mean, he had a poor playoff series for Minnesota last spring, and I just thought they needed to make a move even before the season began, and apparently, finally, they've agreed with me. Steve Ashburner from uh, NBA.com. Look, the Lakers are 13th right now in the West, and they're three games in the loss column out of the seventh spot. I mean, the, the from four to 13, they're so tightly bunched. Uh, can you see the Lakers? I don't know about making the playoffs, but can you see them at least get into the play-in? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And that, you know, I mean, that's the genius of the, the whole play-in mechanism. I think that since we've had that, I give it credit. I was dubious, but I think that it has um, diminished the focus on tanking. Um taken away some of the urgency of tanking or the or the desire to do so um it gives teams something else to play for to have some success especially if you're building um and i i think it's interesting i i think that the playing tournament has added at the start of what then becomes a march um you know through seven game series which become increasingly even and interesting but at the beginning you know one eight two seven i mean those are those are almost um formalities and so to have this you know win or go home uh in the in the start or win or you know win or have to win again or go home i think that that's a um it's a neat thing i i, I understand criticism that if there's a big gap between um 
number seven and number eight, you know, why should number seven still have to, you know, fight for its life in a, in a, you know, a playing uh, situation. But by and large, I think that it's, uh, it's accomplished what it set out to do, which was to um, minimize or at least uh, diminish the tanking uh, conversation and activity and um, give some more teams something to focus on as a way to slap a, a success label on their regular season. Yeah, you mentioned Kareem before, and it brought it just refreshed my memory uh, while I was broadcasting in the NBA with the Nets and with the Celtics and with the Bucks. Uh, we go into LA, and I, I think it was when when I was with the Bucks. We go into LA, and Kareem was was still active. And I went in the locker room and asked the PR guy if I could go over and talk to Kareem. He said, sure. He talks to everybody. Go ahead. So I walked over to Kareem, introduced myself. I said, you got a few minutes? He said, sure. Sit down. He said, he says to me, where are you from? I said, Brooklyn. He goes, I'm from Brooklyn. I said, I know that. Powell Memorial High School. I'm fully aware of your career. So he said, here's the big question. Were you a Dodger fan? I said, absolutely. Do you know what we did? We spent the next 20 minutes trying to <laughs> top each other in Brooklyn Dodger trivia. And neither one of us got a question wrong. That's how entrenched I was. That's how entrenched he was. So we finally, I said, Kareem, I want to talk about the game tonight. He goes, no, forget that. We just had a great conversation. <laughs> so well, I mean, fun. and he was a young man when those Dodgers left for the coast, right? Sure. I mean, he, you know, so this is not something that he just happened to remember. He he was a fan and and paid attention and went back and learned. He said to me, he says, okay, Here's the hard question. 1953, I said, oh boy. The Dodgers brought up two pitchers from the minor leagues and they pitched on each end of a doubleheader. And I said, come on, give me something hard. He goes, go ahead, name it. I said, Roger Craig and Carl Spooner. He goes, I give up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I lived eight and I died with the Dodgers. When they left Brooklyn, I mean, let's. I, I was really upset, but let, let's move on. In the NBA right now, you got the Denver Nuggets with the top record in the West. Can they stay there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that um, you know they've got they've got a lot of incentive. I think that they're one of those teams that they do need this regular season to um, plant their flag, to uh, develop the winning habits. You know, my my view in uh, on, on say Nikola Jokic and his back to back MVPs was it wasn't showing up enough in the in the team's record. And I don't want to hear after a point, I don't want to hear. Well, think what they would be without him. You know, um, that, that that's not good enough. I think if you're going to win consecutive MVPs, your team has to be one of the best in the NBA. And certainly if he's going to win a third one. I didn't vote for him last year. In fact, I voted for Joel Embiid because hmm. I didn't think that he had carried the Nuggets high enough in the standings to justify it. Um, so now, you know, I mean, Jokic, if he, and I'm sure he doesn't really care about winning a third one relative to, you know, a serious debt in the playoffs, getting to the finals, maybe winning the title. But I think that that, that, that team is, you know, imbued with that as a goal. And I like, you know, Michael Malone as their coach. He seems to be able to uh, use appropriate doses of carrot and stick with that crew. He's tough. He's also, you know, player friendly. Um, yeah, I think I think Denver can can hang on at the top. Um, they seem a lot more steady emotionally, for instance, than say the Memphis Grizzlies, who uh, run awfully hot and 
often that's to their benefit and sometimes that's to their detriment. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I heard something last night with Trigger tonight. Uh, John Morant, phenomenal talent. I mean, he's he's one of the guys that makes me sit up and jump out of my couch going, wow, what a <laughs> performer. Uh, somebody, one of the players said last night, they took a shot at him. Does he have bad vibes around the league with certain players? They, they don't seem to like him very much. Well, um, from what I've gathered and heard, um, A, he's cocky, all right? He's, he's mouthy. He talks trash. He puts it out there on social media. He'll, he'll challenge and mock, you know, other teams or um, assessments of the Grizzlies themselves. And so maybe people think that he's a little bit uh, overconfident given that Memphis really hasn't accomplished much. I mean, they got eliminated in the second round. They beat Minnesota last year at, at springtime. So, um, you know, there might be that. I know that there's also some concern about off-court um, associations and, and things that reared their head when the Indiana Pacers played in Memphis recently. Um, you know, John Morant's father seems to get a little more involved than most NBA parents when it comes to what's going on in the course of a game during, you know, in the arena. And, you know, last spring, I mean, there was Carl Anthony Towns' dad and John Morant's dad, and it made for sort of a fun secondary story. But, um, you know, uh, Mr. Morant was involved uh, in, that, in that Laker game when um, Shannon Sharp, um, you know, uh, started barking from courtside seat, and there was a little bit of a uh, back and forth, and not not um, not in a good way. And then you know this Indiana game. I mean, he was also involved when one of uh, John Morant's friends um, took a few steps onto the floor to uh, to say some things to the Indiana Pacers, and that's just. That to me is just a no-no, you know, spectators are spectators. I don't care if you're family, friends, strangers, foreigners, you got to know your place. You stay outside the lines, you keep your heckling clean, you know, you could be emotional, passionate, whatever, but if you can't be clever, at least be clean. And, you know, I think that there were lines crossed and I, you know, and I think probably that's why John Morant, there's a little bit of an edge, a little bit of controversy to where he and the Grizzlies are in, in people's perceptions. Tremendous team, and the unity of that team is um, notable. I've been in that locker room after games, and I, I just see how they connect and relate. I think they have tremendous potential, but you look at how streaky they've been. They were streaky good for a long time. Lately, they've been streaky bad. Um you know, you don't want to lose the, the victories if possible, but you do have to flatten out the uh, the downtimes. And um, sometimes, if you run a little too hot, a little too much on emotion, um, that can that can seize up on you. Last night, I'm um, watching. Uh, maybe you did as well. Watch the Celtics play 76ers, yep. um, and Jalen Brown gets hurt in the game. He took a nasty shot and went down. I haven't heard any update about his condition. Have you? No, nor I. Jason Tatum scored 12 points and they still won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a rarity, huh? Well, they had a great uh, team effort, a lot of double double uh, figure scoring. Um, you know, I think that um, Philadelphia probably needs a little bit of help um, firepower wise. And um, I think you had that, that mismatch there. Um, yeah. I like, you know, I still like Boston. I, I tend to favor the teams that 
don't win a finals, I, I think that that really helps a team come back the following year and know what it needs to do. It, it identifies some, some areas for improvement. I liked Phoenix a lot last year, and they proved it in the regular season. They just they just pancaked in the uh, in the postseason against uh, Dallas. But the team that that loses in the finals to me, uh, other than the champion coming back to defend, that that runner up to me is is always in a good position to uh, to build on what they they largely had had accomplished. Now, something that kind of slipped uh, a little bit away from everybody's focus. Was the Knicks pick up Josh Hart last night? Um, mm. You know, really good player. He can shoot it. Uh, and the Knicks right now sitting in the seventh spot, but they're only uh, a game in the loss column behind the Miami Heat for number six. I like this team up to the point where at least Julius Randle has spent more time playing basketball and stopped bitching at the refs because he does that <laughs> continuously. And, you know, like Tom Thibodeau's no angel either. He's just as bad. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Randall, Randall has played more like he did last year, uh, uh, not like that, the year before that he did Two last years. year. Right. And so that helps. But Jalen Brunson has been a tremendous acquisition by the Knicks. Uh, I mean, he is, he's been running that team, and he makes big shots on a continuous basis. How far can that team go? Oh, you know, I mean – they could win a second round, I think. I think that's they have that potential. I mean, Josh Hart is a nice pickup. Um, you know, he has the potential to be a, a real reliable, um, just from his resume. I mean, he strikes me as a guy who could come off the bench as a six-man type of role and uh, and give them a real boost. I, I like Julius Randle. I know what you're saying. And the barking gets old, um, particularly if the play is heading the other way. But... Um, I do like, uh, you know, now he's taking his game more outside. I get it. But I do like the ability he has as an old-fashioned low-post big man. And uh, we don't see enough of that in the game from my liking. So if I can watch Julius Randle and the and the, the uh, plays in which he, he gets down there in the paint, um, you know, that to me is still a lot of fun from the old-school NBA. I agree with you on uh, Jalen Brunson. I thought it was an overpay when they added him in the summer. Yes. I yes. thought, you know, fairly meager uh, portfolio to be paying him that much money. Um, I did feel it was a, a bigger loss to Dallas than it was going to be a gain to the neck, the Knicks. But he's been a perfect fit. And he has played up to his contract. And I voted, you know, I didn't vote. I mean, but when we, we picked our all-star reserves for NBA.com and we gave mm -hmm. our opinions, the, the conference coaches actually do the voting. But I had Jalen Brunson among my East All-Star Reserves because I thought his impact had been that great. And, you know, sometimes the All-Star game is, you know, for the fans to see the players whose names they're most familiar with. And sometimes it's for the guys who've had the best first half of, a, of the season. And I think that uh, Brunson was right up there for guys who had a great first half. There's a team that's sitting right now in the play-in, and that's the Toronto Raptors. And you hear a lot of conversation about some of their players. Do you expect there to be a move by the Raptors to try to improve their situation? Well, I guess they've, they uh, added uh, Jakob Pertl from San Antonio. He's right. a former Raptor that they brought back. He's been you know, under the radar by playing in San Antonio at a time when San Antonio has not been a, uh, a contending team, but uh, a terrific defender. I mean, a, a great rim defender and uh, – you know, big man counter. 
Um, not as good lately, and I know there's speculation, well, is he suffering from the the effects of the Spurs system in terms of, you know, they've, they've got new young players they're trying to develop, and, and is Pirtle less a priority, or have they changed the way they've played? Or is, you know, he's getting a little bit older and, and you know, advanced. I mean, um, you know, has his game lost something? I guess we'll find out with, uh, with Toronto. Um, now, he's been gone since... Uh, uh, Nick Nurse arrives, so we'll see how that coaching staff deals with Pirtle. But he's a he's a nice addition for them. I you know the one thing with the the Raptors, I I'm a little amazed that they're not better than they than they've uh, than they've been. Um, you know they they haven't had serious uh, setbacks, no you know debilitating injuries or anything. Um, one thing that's been floated is you know how they they sought in a positive way to have as many interchangeable players as possible. Six, nine guys who could switch constantly, defensively, length, you know, and, and uh, athletic ability. Maybe they have too many guys that are the same. You know, you've got OG Ananobi, you've got Scotty Barnes, you've got Pascal Siakam, you've got these, 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 you know, these players, you know, they needed some reliable shooting and Fred Van Vliet, his shooting has been off. So, um, you know, it's like, you gotta be careful sometimes. there's a reason other teams historically have not duplicated their their size and strength and 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 uh, similar games um, because you find yourself not having what you need uh, when you need it. Appreciate your time, Stephen, and your insight. Uh, enjoy. Uh, well, until three o'clock, we may see something <laughs> explode before between now and three o'clock. Thanks again. You stay safe. You got it, Howard. Thank you. He's. Steve Ashburner from NBA.com does a great job at following the NBA. We're going to welcome in Rich Samini from ESPN uh, in a moment. And Rich will join us. We'll talk. Here he is. That handsome face. Hello, Rich. How are you? Hey, Howard. Thanks for having me. I don't have any news as big as the Kevin Durant trade. So uh, (laughs) sorry to disappoint. Oh, so you don't have any news about the, the Jets acquiring Aaron Rodgers, right? No, but that would be... On the level of a Durant-type uh, situation, uh, I don't think we're going to have anything on Aaron Rodgers for at least a week or so. Well, at least the four days he's going to sit in the dark. What was all that about? <laughs> you know, Aaron Rodgers is a different kind of guy. I mean, last year he did that uh, hallucinogenic uh, retreat where he was cleansing his body, and this year he's trying you know, the darkness retreat, where I guess it sounds like solitary confinement. You're basically just sitting by yourself, um, you know, and they put in food every so often. And I, I, I don't know, but, you know, he, he's a different dude. Let me ask you this, and, and, and I'm not asking you to make any predictions on, you know, which quarterback is going to come to the Jets, because, uh, I mean, somebody said the other day, and I forget who it was, said the Jets are a quarterback away from going to the Super Bowl. I went, what? Uh, that that's a little bit of a reach. I think they're a quarterback away from being a playoff team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. No doubt. I agree with the second part of that statement. Uh, look, they won seven games last year. They were in contention until the last week or two, and their quarterbacks were ranked 29th in the league at a, in, in passer rating. If they could just go from 29th, and I'm being conservative here, if they go from 29th, to even something like 18th or, or something in the middle, they're going to win at least three more games and make the playoffs. Now, not, not to make the Super Bowl, though. I mean, the AFC is too hard. 
Um, they, I mean, there's probably six or seven quarterbacks who are, who are, I consider like elite or close to elite in the AFC. Um, one of them is playing this weekend in Mahomes, Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, there's just so many good uh, burrow. The Jets wouldn't be a Super Bowl team, but they, I think they would be a playoff team. Rich, let me ask you about uh, if you're the Jets and Joe Douglas is probably burning up the phones trying to find out, you know, what he can do to get a quarterback. If you're Joe Douglas and the Jets, do you solidify your situation, not wait for Rodgers per se? But I mean, if, if they sat down with Derek Carr and he said, OK, fine, I want to come. Do you make a deal with Derek Carr? Well, I don't think this is happening in a vacuum. Uh, you know, Joe Douglas is too smart to just put all his eggs in one basket and not check out other scenarios. Uh, look, I am sure he is digging in on this Aaron Rodgers thing. No, I'm not saying he's trying to crash his retreat, you know, and, and get information out of Aaron or anything like that. But, you know, Joe does his homework. He's a due diligence guy. I am sure he knows where the Packers are, are thinking right now. I mean, the Packers, no one mentions them. They have a say in this too. And, Rodgers could end up back with the Packers, which I think is a possible scenario, or he could retire and, and no one gets him. So Joe Douglas is not just going to like focus on one or the other, like, oh, we got to get Derek Carr because I don't know about Aaron Rodgers. If he decides to make a real strong move for Derek Carr, it will be with the knowledge that he doesn't think he's going to have a good chance at Aaron Rodgers. Hey, Rich, let, let's look at the Rodgers. He may want to hook up with his old pal Devontae Adams in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, Las Vegas needs a quarterback. We know that. Um, I think there's some appealing things about Las Vegas. Now, I think they probably have better skill position talent than the Jets. They got Devontae Adams, who's arguably the best receiver in the league. They got Waller at tight end. Now, I know he was injured a lot this year, but he's a fantastic tight end. And they got Josh Jacobs at running back, who I know is a free agent, but he'll be back because they're just going to franchise him. So, you know, you have three really good skill position players there. And the offensive line is shaky. Granted, the offensive line is shaky. So is the Jets' offensive line. Where the right. Jets have the advantage is uh, they have a much better defense than the Raiders. The Raiders, uh, Derek Carr has played with some of the worst defenses in the league. In fact, since Carr came into the league in 2014, uh, the Raiders have had the worst cumulative defense in the league since 20, 2014. The Jets have a top five defense, so that is uh, could be appealing. The part that uh, is not appealing about going to the AFC is that you know you're, the competition is tougher to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, but I don't think Rodgers is going to have a say in that. If he wants to go to, I'm just throwing out. Let's say he wants to go to an NFC team. I don't think the Packers would trade him to an NFC team. Let me ask you this: uh, the, from the financial standpoint, we're talking about a lot of money that that he's due. If he's back with the Packers. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing 55 million. Is that accurate? 58. Okay. 58 for this coming year. Uh, and beyond? Well, here, here's the breakdown. It, it, you know, he redid his contract last year. So that's why it's, it looks like this now. So he is owed a $56 million bonus that is owed be, between March 17th and the first game of the year. That is fully guaranteed. That is none. That's like a fully guaranteed $56 million bonus. The time you throw in his regular salary and I think a workout bonus, it comes out to about $58 million fully guaranteed. Hmm. That's what his contract calls for right now. If, if I'm the Jets 
there is no way I am going to pay. I'm going to take on that contract. I would want Green Bay to eat some of that contract and for me to take it. Because if you're Woody Johnson and you pay this man $58 million for one year and he decides after a year, uh, I've had enough. I'm, I'm going to retire. I mean, unless he leads him to a Super Bowl, you know, you're not getting $58 million worth. So if I'm the Jets, I absolutely insist on that contract being restructured and having Green Bay pick up part of the contract. It's Rich Samini from ESPN. Let's talk about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated. I mean, here's a guy who led him to a winning record and everybody's brought in ahead of him. And I guess he's, he's out there. I don't, is he free? Is he a free agent? He will be a free agent. Yep. Okay. Yep. What about, does Jimmy Garoppolo even enter into the conversation with the Jets? Yeah, I mean, if they don't get Carr, and I don't think the Jets are going to get Carr. Uh, I I don't know if Carr wants the Jets. I, I think Carr is going to go to a smaller market team like New Orleans, uh, or maybe even Atlanta. But I think New Orleans. But uh, and if they if Rodgers decides to go back to Green Bay, or he retires, or the Jets don't get him. I think Garoppolo becomes a, a viable option for the Jets. He is a free agent, so there's no compensation in terms of draft picks. Uh, Robert Sala was with him in San Francisco, so he has that familiarity. I think he likes Jimmy a lot. Is, is he an elite quarterback? No. He's a, a productive quarterback. The problem with with Jimmy is he's injured a lot. The durability is, is real. It's a question mark. He's missed time. He's coming off that foot injury. When he's healthy – He's a good system quarterback, and the Jets are going to be running a system that is very familiar to him. So I think that could end up being the Jets guy. I mean, Jimmy won't be as costly as the others. You could probably get Jimmy for 20 to 25 million a year. Uh, I think he would be a, a cost effective alternative for the Jets. Let me give you another name Baker Mayfield. What's your reaction? Yeah, I'd be really surprised, Howard, if that happens. Uh, you know, he is a free agent. He, he has not played well, I mean, in his career. He had one good year with Cleveland. He had that unbelievable game this year when he was playing for the Rams. Uh, he has not been a, an efficient quarterback. Um, he brings a lot of ego. There's, 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 I don't know if he would fit into what the tri Jets are trying to build in their locker room. I would be really surprised if they ended up with Baker Mayfield. But the Jets hired a new offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. How much of what he does appeals to what the, I mean, obviously, uh, Robert Sala made this move and Hackett's got a good resume, uh, even though, he th you know, things didn't work out in Denver. Uh, what impact does he make? Well, he can make a tremendous impact if they get Aaron Rodgers, you know, Aaron and and uh, and I'm not breaking any news here, but Aaron and uh, Nathaniel Hackett are really close. You know, Hackett spent three years in Green Bay. Uh, as their offensive coordinator, developed a really strong relationship with Rodgers. And Aaron has spoken about him recently, about how much he loves Hackett. And I know the feeling is mutual. And so I think that may have been part of the Jets' decision in hiring Hackett. I, I don't think it was the like the dominant reason why they hired him. At least I hope not. Um, they hired him because they think he's a good offensive coach. But that that could be one of the uh, fringe benefits of getting Nate Hackett is that he, maybe he can recruit Aaron Rodgers. It would be easy for Rodgers because it would be a, a seamless transition. He knows Hackett's offense. You know, he knows the language. He can step right in immediately and do it. So uh, that would be the benefit of, of a Nathaniel Hackett.
I mean, if I'm if I'm talking to Aaron Rodgers and I'm trying to woo him to come, you look at Aaron, look, we've got a pretty good running back room. Brees Hall comes back. We've got a really good running back there. We've got a good wide receiver room, good tight ends, obviously a top five defense. Plus, you come to New York, he could be the biggest thing to hit New York in quite a long time. Yeah, the Jets certainly have uh, some recruiting. Okay, it's kind of like a deja vu moment for me. It's taking me back to 20, uh, 2008 when they were trying to get Brett Favre to, right. um, you know, and I know they used all those recruiting pitches. And and at the time, they they were selling on how he could go hunting in New Jersey. You know, Brett's an avid hunter, and they, they you know, told him about all these different places he could go hunting in Jersey. I don't think, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a hunter, but maybe they can sell him on some uh, – some uh, darkness retreats in New Jersey. I'm sure there's some <laughs> holistic spas or something around uh, the Jets facility that he could go to in his spare time. But yeah, they have they have a way to uh, sell him on that. The one thing that the Raiders have we didn't mention: there's no state income tax in Nevada. So if you're if you're making fifty eight million dollars in a year, I imagine that 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 is a fairly significant savings. Uh, New Jersey has high taxes, as as we all know. And so that's a disadvantage for the Jets. But yeah, they they have some recruit. You know the New York thing, Howard. I think we're biased because we're in New York. I don't I don't know if that's a, a big deal for players anymore. Just mm-hmm. because I don't think I think it used to be like, well, if you're in New York, you know, you're close to Madison Avenue and you can get all these endorsements. It, look at I mean, Patrick Mahomes is in Kansas City. He, no one gets more endorsements than he does. Right. He's on State Farm doing all. You know, Peyton Manning was in Indianapolis, small town. Rodgers is all over TV. He played in Green Bay, the smallest market. I don't think New York has that kind of appeal as it once did. Um, So I think unless the person has a connection to New York, I I don't know if it sells the way it once did. Yeah, before I let you go, let me talk about this weekend's game in the Super Bowl. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has been at the Super Bowl uh, three times. Yeah. Jalen Hurts has never been there. How important is that, early, particularly early in the game for Jalen Hurts? I mean, he's never been on this big stage. It, is it a factor? Yeah, maybe a little bit early in the game, but I, I think that wears off. Uh, Jalen Hurts played in a national championship, so in college, which is which is basically a Super Bowl atmosphere. Um, I, I don't. I, I think Hurts is. I mean, I think he's on a better like team, like a complete team, if he has any, uh, any early hiccups or any early uh, yips or anything, I think he's got a good enough team around him. His offensive line is extraordinary. Uh, I I like the Eagles in this game about a week ago, I was on the chiefs, um, but their injury report scares me a little bit. You know, they've got some receivers banged up. Mahomes is not a hundred percent and the Eagles have a great pass rush. And so I've switched allegiances here. I think the Eagles are going to win. The Bengals never put pressure on Mahomes. They never got after him, which was surprising to me. And by contrast, the Chiefs sacked Burrow five times in that game. So the Chiefs showed better defense than we all thought they had. Uh, Is this a high-scoring matchup? I I think I had a – I forgot what I picked. It was like in the 20s, both teams in the 20s. So it was sort of an average scoring. I mean, you are talking about two pretty good defenses. I think – I think the advantage goes to Philly. They can run the ball a little bit better than KC can. KC really puts the ball in Mahomes' hands a lot. 
and all year, I, I think Mahomes is the best player in the league. So don't get me down on Mahomes. I just think the limited mobility because of that ankle is going to be a factor on that pass rush. They can rush four and get to him, I believe, which is a big advantage. You know, you can drop seven into coverage. That means you can double Kelsey. If you can double Kelsey and leave your corners in man-to-man coverage and rush four, that is a big advantage for for the Eagles. So, uh, you know, for a number of reasons why. I'm just hoping for a really good game. I think it will be, but I give the Eagles a slight edge. Well, my, pri- my I have a priority. My daughter throws at a Super Bowl party every year. So we go to her house in Westchester and they got a bunch of people there and we have a good time. I'm just wondering what she's serving. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's always, a, you know, for folks like uh, I am not in Arizona now. So for folks like us who will be watching at home, that is the big question. You know, it's like, are we going to have chicken wings or or uh, what are we doing here for the uh, for the game? But, you know, I, I I've been to like 25 or 26 Super Bowls, so I've covered plenty. Of, I know what it's like in the, in the press box and at the game. It's, it's tremendous. There's also certain advantages to being at home. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, I agree with you, by the way, about the Eagles. Uh, I think that uh, they, they can rush four. And if they rush four, I think they can get to Mahomes. Uh, I Like you, I originally thought Kansas City was going to win the game like 24-21. But I'm going to go with the Eagles uh, like you because, hey, Rich Samini is you know, like an icon in New York, man. I believe what you yeah, said. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I've, I've done pretty well on my playoff picks so far. I think I'm 9-3 and three picking them straight up, which is which is like it's okay. It's not a great record, you know, when you're picking straight up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the world of Mahomes, I'm just a little worried about his right tackle, you know, on that offensive line. I think mm-hmm. that's the weak link on their offensive line. And the Eagles, Hassan Reddick has been a beast this year. And uh, I, I think that matchup really favors the Eagles. And I think Hassan Reddick could have a huge game as well. You know, plus the fact you were in that Syracuse shirt uh, my my grand my grandson went to Syracuse. Didn't go to Newhouse. Uh, there you he go. Graduated there like three years ago. Cool. He's he's a smart kid. Then went to Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Rich. Appreciate your insight. You stay safe. Enjoy the game. All right. All right. Thanks, Howard. Enjoy the game. Take care. He's Rich Samini of ESPN. Does a great job. I've known Rich. My goodness, since I took over calling Jets games in 1998, he was on the beat. Uh, let me get back to what we were talking with Steve Ashburner about, about Kyrie Irving. I agree with him wholeheartedly. I don't want him on my team, period, pure and simple, because, uh, you know, what, what is it? Well, who is it that never changes stripes? Zebra never changes his stripes. Kyrie Irving's not changing his stripes. He is who he is, a tremendously talented basketball player. Could be top 10 in the NBA. He can carry a team. He did it when Durant was out. And he, he carried the net. that They won some games without Durant. But, and there's a big but. He's going to Dallas, where the man is Luka Doncic. Make no mistake about it. Luka Doncic, without question, top five player in the NBA. Luka Doncic needs the ball in his hands a lot. Is Kyrie willing to give it up? Best thing I could tell Dallas and Jason Kidd, who was one of the great point guards in history, you sit down with Kyrie and say, this is, this is Lucas' team. We have an understanding? Yes. We have a, there's a hesitation, and you better do something. And I mean sit him down. And you just wonder. 
He slammed the door on the Cavaliers. He walked out on the Celtics. He now walked out on the, on the Brooklyn Nets. What's to stop him from doing the same thing with the Dallas Mavericks? That's what I'm asking. And so it's my opinion that Dallas could go one of two directions, either up or down, based upon the attitude of a troubled individual. I'm not questioning his intelligence. He seems to be a very bright guy. But some of the things that he's pulled have been detrimental to the team. And I have to believe, without being in that Brooklyn Nets locker room, that there they could have been a party. I think the Nets very well might be better off without Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. There's nothing to do but play basketball. And they put together a roster that the bench has gotten deeper. They got more shooters. They've got some talent. The next thing they need to do is show Ben Simmons the door. Because the fact of the matter is, he doesn't fit. That's not my concern. Biggest concern, how did the trade affect the Nets? How does the trade affect the Lakers? How the trade affected the Phoenix Suns, who now put out Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Boozer, and Kevin Durant. They're good enough to win the West. They're good enough to win it all. It's only, we still got 30 games left in the season. The team to watch, in my opinion, is the Milwaukee Bucks. Because now that Chris Middleton is healthy and playing, and Giannis is who Giannis is, let's see who beats them. I like the Celtics, too. Hopefully, Jalen Brown is not out for any long period of time. I'm Howard David. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. Thanks to Steve Ashburner from NBA.com, Rich Samini from ESPN. You stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.